0: That was so good. I love like pouring myself a good glass of wine. Hey everybody. Hola, hola.
1: Sorry, that was hola. so
0: awkward. But we're here. We're ready to fucking mingle
1: and we're gonna do this shit. What's going on, Laura? For a moment there, I was like, is she um auditioning for the next Fanta commercial? Is she becoming a Fanta girl? What is this? I, I thought I joined a podcast. <laughs> not your Fanta, or how was that? How did the song go? Don't you wanna want a fanta? Fanta. I can't. I can't. I remember seeing it first in Spanish Mm -hmm. because I I would watch Univision growing up, but I can't remember the damn song in Spanish. Don't you wanna want a fanta? That's the English version. I
0: remember English when I used to watch. So I used to like stay up late at night like watching my tv i'd watch um fucking uh, there was a stupid ass dating show at night that came out on like cbs or something Uh it was called um i don't It's something about like dating around and it started the premise was like always one guy and there is like three girls eliminate eliminate maybe that's what it was called i think eliminate and then um so he'd be on a date with three girls at the beginning of the day. And then he'd eliminate one for the next round, which was like just later that day. And then he'd go with two girls. And then by the night, he just like, he had to make a decision, right? Or something dramatic like that. But I remember because I was like in my weird feels, I was probably like 13, 12 and like exploring my like sexuality and being like a fucking weirdo. And I remember, <laughs> what am I talking about
1: <laughs> That is a very good question because what you're telling me sounds a lot like dating for pendejas because who, the f- I mean, first of all, homegirl, don't, you, you don't got to sign up to do that on national television. If you date any guy down the corner, he's going to fucking be dating two other girls at the beginning of the day as well. So Back Ooh.
0: to your childhood memories, Carmen. I was just remembering. Anyway, fucking of Fanta used to come out as a fucking commercial, okay? That was in, that was where the story was going. It was a great that, that's story. That's where the inspiration came from. And that was where my fucking head was going, and that was it. But
1: anyways, <laughs> welcome to not a Fanta commercial.
0: We are not sponsored by Fanta, you guys. But Maybe we could you. be. Are you listening? I prefer Jarritos, to be honest, so... <laughs> Fuck, this didn't go the way it was supposed to go. Um, this is what I get for being spontaneous. This is why, mm mm, stick to the plan, bitch, next time. But anyway, we're here. Um, it's happening. Laura, how has your week
1: been? It's been, it's been good. Um, I'm still settling into the house, new house feelings, all that good stuff. Um, I am down to one box left. I have to unpack, but it's hard because like, I'm a very stickler for everything has its place in my house. And so once I like, um, nest into a place, I get used to it. Right. So Valentine's day is like coming up and my kids are already like getting all crazy to prepare for it for school. And yesterday I was like running around crazy. Cause I was like, yeah, we have our Valentine's decorations. I can't find them. Cause I remembered where I had them in my old place, but not where I had them here um so that's just been annoying it's kind of like getting used to like the new ins and outs of the house
0: and honestly you won't fucking find anything until it's like randomly there what the fuck was I looking for when I moved in with Brandon my fucking mouse for my because I work from home also right and I have this like really cool wireless mouse that I love I hate the cables and I couldn't fucking find it I found it in a fucking shoe dude um a mouse in a shoe shoe. I don't know what I was thinking when I was packing I'm a clusterfuck and then I was like there's my mouse okay I felt like super adultish finding it but then I was like why isn't it a shoe Carmen why can't you pack like a normal person because I just am who I am and I love myself that's okay.
1: Yeah, a mouse in a shoe, that definitely sounds like a child's, like, storybook. So maybe you should write storybooks. I don't know. Maybe in, like, your next lifetime, that should be your career. Mm, I don't like kids enough. I barely like mine. Dude, that. yes. What is up with that? I feel the same way. It is very hard for me to like kids unless they're, like, related to me or we, like, really click. Like, there's a lot yeah. of kids who I'm just, like, that kid is an asshole. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> I think that's my kid in life. Like, my kid is the asshole. It's okay.
1: But me and I click pretty cool. Like, I you
0: know, love having conversations with him. I think Adai is, like, that one. He's, like, that type of person that, like, you either love him or he annoys you. And luckily, he's been around people that really enjoy him. And he's really smart. So, I hopefully, maybe that continues on. But he's, because he's, like like, uber smart. And he's, like, not into, like, video games. He's not into cars. He's, like...
1: let's build a puzzle he's a little bit of a smart ass one time he was quizzing me on dinosaurs and I'm like damn he's like well how do you say this guy's name and I'm like uh 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 and then he would like tell me and I'm like this isn't fair
0: (laughs) he's probably like five or four at the time little shit I love him. I miss him. He's a, he went to Guatemala with his dad. I know he's having the time of his life. Oh, he leaves tomorrow morning. So he'll be having the life, the time of his life. He'll be there for two weeks. This is the longest I've ever been without him. And it sucks. Like as a parent, just like, are you going to miss me? Yeah, mom. I'm like, I'm going to miss you. I know mom what am I going to do when I miss you? I don't know, mom, like go hang out in my room and like watch
1: my stuff. Oh like, that's only going to make me sadder. No two fucking weeks. Yeah. So dude, kudos to you because I am such a control freak when it comes to my kids. I don't know if it's because like, I've been raising by myself, like their whole lives. Um, but even my sister, she'll be like, You know like let the kids come spend a week with me and i'm like no she's like why i'm like you can't handle them (laughs) like i always have like random excuses but in reality it's because i cannot go more than 24 hours with my my kids
0: at one time and you're just like miserable after like day two
1: because you miss them so it was like so i did yes so when i went to go check out tampa to see if i was gonna move out there Um, I was consistently FaceTiming my kids. So I went to the beach, I FaceTimed them. I went here, I FaceTimed them and they were getting tired of me because they were spending time with my mom and my brothers. And when my brothers are around, my kids forget I exist. And, um, and then it also happened when I went on the girls' trip to New York and Seattle, I would FaceTime them like in the morning, during the day, at night. And like, to the point where my mom's like, (laughs) you know,
0: yeah. Literally. Yeah, that's exactly how I am. And it just sucks that I'm like, what, you don't love me as much? And it's like, no, he loves me. He's just having a great time. And, and, you know, he's gonna be spending the time with his dad and his stepmom. So I guess so stepmom is from Guatemala. So they're going to go visit, or I think they're going to a wedding. So I'm like, a ver, ¿qué, qué van a hacer? He's like, I guess we're going to a wedding. I was like, oh, cool. Or a, something. I'm like, that's awesome. am like, I'm glad that, you know, like you get to explore that part because I mean, one way or another, it's going to be part of his culture. So I'm like, you're going to explore that side of your family, your distant family. So
1: it'll be good for him. Yeah. And that's exciting. Like. You know, I've only ever been to, like, Mexico and the U.S. And even then, I've only been to, like, Chihuahua.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, he's super lucky. He's getting to, he's been all over Mexico at this point. He's been to a a ton of places here in the U.S., but he's, like, traveled different places in Mexico. And now, like, going international, going to another country, like, that's just, I'm like, you're so fucking lucky, kid. Like He is.
1: I'm jealous. I'm talking about Chihuahua. I'm actually, I have my uh, Chihuahua shot glass today. Uh, because I brought out the soju. So I'm pre-gaming with the Seagram I had in the fridge. You're going to pre-game. I'm pre-gaming for our podcast. Um, but I'm going to be doing soju shots because of my story. Um, so yeah. But what are you drinking today? Uh, <clears throat> I'm drinking tequila again. So tequila. You and you the-, the Mexican I- in you is finally coming down.
0: Yeah. I likes me better when I used to drink gin and tonic. But Yeah. I haven't drank, but gin and that tonic. was like that was like my clubbing thing. That was, that another was like a ago. Educated, like trying to flirt with boys and get men's attention. Maybe because like gin and tonic is such a like a classic drink, so it's not like oh, I'm having a margarita now. I don't give a fuck now. Like my man's having my man likes me with the margarita or a fucking beer. Like he's okay, but yeah, like back in the day, maybe that's why. But no, I, I do love my gin and tonic.
1: I remember. I remember When we first started um, hanging out, that we like would go out, and I would always order uh, tequila. You know, I would order tequila shots, and you would judge me. You're like, "Oh my god, Laura, tequila shots again? Have a gin and tonic. Have a gin and tonic." And finally, you got me into gin and tonic. um, But nobody ever warned me about mixing tequila and gin and tonic. Well, that's just (laughs) like a high
0: school thing. You can't take tequila, for example, and then go and drink whiskey. That's just. Uh, you know, I mean, just, I'm from Albuquerque. That that. It, this I'm is from Albuquerque. Blood. You can't just do that. If you're gonna do one thing, stick to your one drink. That's like, adulting 101. If there's one lesson that I, other than having low expectations, highest standards, um, it's also sticking to one drink. Two life lessons. There you go. Well, you guys. life
1: lessons. I stick to one drink at a time. So, like, I drink my gin and tonic. Well, what the and hell then are I have you my thinking Neanderthal?
0: Do you think you're going to be drinking two drinks at the, like, double fisting, you psycho? You no. never know. You never no, know.
1: No, no, Look, no, no. Look, Alan you're thing- great.
0: Let me, let me tell you something. You're great in a lot of things, right? But when it comes to your alcohol intake, I've seen you start fucking fights at bars, okay? So, so now, t- tone it down. One drink at a time. Drink your soju. I love it. It's, it's, it's different it's like it's a conversation starter it makes you interesting drink the soju like fucks with the soju all night but don't give me soju and then bring me like fucking tequila like no so wait you're pre-gaming so never mind you're already fucking up what's your next drink if you're see i was
1: hoping you would forget about that detail but look i'm not at a bar tonight i'm not gonna start any fights i think we're good i mean the only person i could fight with today is you um i'm already like ready to fight so you Deg- are you're, you're on, the on. Degenerate. and also why are you throwing <sighs> my shit out in public like that since when are we airing our dirty laundry now everybody's gonna be like did you hear about that one podcast host the one that loves to fight yes you guys I last lives you guys that was a good time though
0: like the bitch had it coming too like let's be real.
1: yeah and also I never got it into a fight. fight for the fun of it I always <laughs> got into a fight because I was like defending a friend or like I was incredibly like disrespected or just like people were fucking rude sometimes and once I was like on there i did not tolerate that but it wasn't like a
0: bar fight it was just like you calling out somebody for being like rude or something and to me that's like a fight because yeah
1: i don't I think you ever actually saw me fight like did you ever my... fight have you ever fought oh my god yeah dude in like, middle school i almost like, got punching? i almost got expelled from middle school for fighting no um I got into trouble a couple of times in high school. It was more towards the beginning, like freshman, sophomore year. Towards my junior, senior year, I completely calmed down. And then I feel like after I turned 21, there was a bit of of like built up anger in me. So I was an angry kid from the get go. Like I was an angry little kid. Like from a little kid, I would be fighting boys at the playground, at the park. I grew up with all cousins, four boy cousins and, um, and that's who I was consistently around. So if my cousins got into a fight, I got into a fight. So I would be like beating up little boys left and right elementary school. I was always getting the pink slip. <laughs> I was always getting my ass whooped by my mom. Cause I got into fights with boys, oh, went into middle school, went into high school. Then I kind of calmed down. Then I had a little bit of like pent up anger. Um, I don't know from college and like my relationship at that time with my my kid's father um and so when i turned 21 and i started going like clubbing which was once in a blue moon but when i would i would drink and i would like lose that control a little bit of my anger and if somebody crossed me the wrong way it was done done like i can't tell you how many times it's also like part of
0: being uh, like moral- a kid right though like when you're yeah. a kid and you're dumb and you're just like drinking like yeah. it just happens and then if you do ha- like understandably if you already I mean you are like a what just fire pure fire inside of you yeah. so it's like
1: it's it's not you it's your so, star sign exactly don't blame me it's not me it's my rising I'm Sagittarius rising no but seriously you guys thanks to like years and years of therapy I'm like so much better now <laughs> yeah go to therapy guys yeah so this was our ad for therapy um any therapists out there who would like to sponsor us um or just like (laughs)
0: counsel us i'd be i'd be down with that just cancel can't no don't cancel
1: us counsel (laughs)
0: us
1: yeah i'm like why are you asking look Cancel. What I like about this our discussions yeah. is that we're very upfront of who we are right now and who we were and all of our evolutions throughout life. So I feel like when we become famous cuz I'm like Carmen we're going to be the shit one day. We're going to be like pop stars. And <laughs> you're I, mean, I mean, I just come here for
0: the drinks and the stories <laughs> at this
1: point. <laughs> I come here for the fame. Um but we're being upfront. So like in the future if like tmz is trying to dig up stories on us be like mm, bitch go to episode season two episode three you can fucking find all that shit there shut up we did it first yeah
0: we released we're not afraid we're not afraid of our demons like been there done that we're humans humans evolve yeah and that's a beautiful part right and i think like um yeah, I think that's a really cool thing about us is that we can like sit there and just like stand still with our with our messiness and be like, okay, yeah, I remember that girl. Good times, good fucking times. But glad I'm not that girl anymore. I've grown up. So same. Yeah,
1: yeah. So do we have maintenance? We do. Uh, okay. So I'm going to start off uh with uh the new, well, it's not a new platform, but Carmen and I joined buymeacoffee.com. Ooh. So as you guys know, mm, yes, buy us a coffee. I tried to find one that would say buy me a drink, buy me a tequila shop, but I couldn't find it. So buy me a coffee it is.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So let's go into the details of it. So as you guys know, this podcast is literally 100% ran by Carmen, Fernando, and I. And uh, we do this out of the goodness of our hearts. Carmen does it for the drinks and the stories. I do it for the drinks and the fame. And the goals, yeah. And the goals. And Fernando does it because he likes to be tortured. And he has know. no other
0: choice, really. How about Fernando?
1: Yes, dude. Shout out to him and and his company, Alifo Productions, because without them, we'd be like, "Mm." but anyways, you guys, we're doing this out of the goodness of our hearts. We still have full-time jobs. We still have a family to take care of, and we still take out like hours out of our week, sometimes days out of our week to be able to research and bring this stuff to you guys. So we joined buymeacoffee.com where you could basically go on there and um, like donate to us. Now, the way it works is you could donate as much as you want. You could donate a dollar. You could donate $5 for Starbucks coffee or $7 for a tequila shot. It's up to you. Um, the way it works is you donate, you know, just cause you're a listener and you want to help us out. You know, we, have to buy equipment for this as well and also we are going to be having perks where we're going to set up a membership and we're going to be giving you guys extra content so we might be giving you guys previews of episodes like the actual video event we might also be giving you guys the episodes early as well as extra episodes, like little short stories, fun stuff. So if you guys would like to help us out, once again, it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash not your poppies. And that's how you can find us and donate to us. And we would greatly appreciate it.
0: Oh, just my, I like my coffee. i um, black, Americano, just assy. So, no pido mucho, no pedimos mucho, pero. um, Does that mean we have to start doing our makeup and getting glammed up for video? Because, goddamn, sometimes I look really fucking ratchet. I'll do it it for the listeners. I'll do it for the listeners. How about that?
1: You know what? Yeah, do it for the listeners. Do it for the listeners and the coffee.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and speaking of listeners, you guys, we've been getting a lot of great feedback from our last week's stories. Um, as you guys know, I covered the story of the West Mesa murders and we've been getting a lot of attention, lots of emails. Um, if you guys go into our Instagram page our Facebook page, you guys will see that on Not Your Bobby's podcast. Uh, we've uploaded uh, bios and descriptions of the victims from the West Mesa murders. So go in there, support, read their stories, and um, if you guys have any, you know, any images or any stories you got, you guys would like to share about our victims, please let us know. We'd love to share that. We'd like to expose them. We don't. Again, we talked last week about how they were victims um not their profession their profession did not define them or what they their mistakes or their past but who they were as mothers so please go in there look at their stories take a minute just if you guys read or if you guys just like our posts and share them i think that would greatly be appreciated and and just give voice to the voiceless so thank you guys for doing that
1: yes definitely um, that story really stuck with me. You know, it's been a week since we recorded it. Did you go into a rabbit hole? I, I tried not to. Um, I, I talked to my mom about it after we recorded. I I was talking to my mom the next night and I was talking about her. I'm like, Hey, do you remember this case? She kind of went over, um, you know, like highlights of what she remembered from, um, you know, like Las Noticias when it was airing. And and she said exactly what we're talking about, how the girls were mainly um, identified or described based on their profession or their substance abuse. And I told my mom, I'm like, mom, like these girls were so much more and they deserve so much better than that. And so I I told her, I was like, you know, um, we're covering that in our upcoming episode. And I'm I'm really excited because I feel like we gave them a voice to who the victims were, the humans behind the tragedy of of someone stealing their life. And um, yeah, it just seemed like the interaction on the post and just remembering the story. I don't know. It's been one of those stories that like really hit home.
0: Well, cause it was literally home. And, yeah, exactly. And I, think, I think the frustration that we have is that it was our home and that we know very little about, We know, a little bit about the victim. We know nothing about the suspects if you really think about it. Right. Um, and it's just been in like install in just like it's been frozen in time nobody yep. knows anything since then so yeah thank you guys for your messages and for supporting the pod that you guys have heard of great ways to do so if it's as simple as liking our page it's as simple as sharing our stories um getting extra perks and taking us out to coffee would be fantastic too but whatever you guys can do the just the little things go a long way for us we really appreciate you and we're yes. just doing this for you guys and because we're having fun too
1: Yeah, we do. And the exposure we're giving to these stories, I'm amazed. When my cousins text me, they're like, Oh my God, that story, this story, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, I got more people interested in this. (laughs)
0: Like I said, last, last story, if we can get three people in on the boat, like that's three more people that we didn't have in the past. So I appreciate you all. So I heard a little bird told me that today's story is going to be intense again. So I have my tequila, dude, I got a fucking, like, maybe is this like, I don't know how much this is, but it looks like a lot. It's a huge ass Mason jar filled with tequila, ready to go. I hate that I'm going last because I might be drunk by my story. And that's all I got to say about that.
1: I love drunk Carmen. So if she comes out and gives us a story, I'm all for it. Um, the story is gonna be intense. It is a little on the longer side, like all of my fucking stories. And um I think you're gonna like it. And I hope a uh, bartender Brandon is nearby so he can He's do not. like refill. What
0: the fuck is working? Like, why do you have what? to work on my time? This is why I you know. need to fucking text you and be like, Hey, I'm done. Bring me
1: my next drink. So He's he's like, tell him this is strike one, three strikes, and we're firing him as the bartender, official bartender. I know I'm gonna have to get in telling (laughs) Brandon.
0: Oh, fucking Brandon. Never mind. Let's get into the story. Let's get into this.
1: Brandon, look, he's working. Okay, he's working to provide the tequila. (laughs) Shout out to Brandon. All right. Okay. So I am okay. I do. Should we ever give warnings? I feel at the at this point, people should understand that. like our stories could be contain very graphic details. sometimes, most of the time, they're about true crime lately. Um, they can be a little violent at times. But anyway, if that isn't for you guys, I don't think the story will be for you guys. But if you like facts and you like all of the behinds of a crime scene, this is for you. So with that being said, I bring you today the story of Miriam or Miriam Elizabeth Rodriguez Martinez.
0: Mm, I, I read a, a New York, um, there was a New York Times article on her. And I was actually with Brandon and I was reading it to him. And I, I had to stop. I had to fucking stop myself because it was so gut wrenching that I was like, you know what? It's too close to home. And those are the hardest ones when they're too close to fucking home. So well, take it away.
1: Thankfully for you, I read that article as well as other articles, as well as watched a documentary on it, uh, to the point where I I did get a little sick to my stomach. Um, but this is a story that needs to be heard. It needs to be Mm -hmm. shared and it needs to be heard. Right. So, once again, I'm start at the beginning, work my way to the end, you guys. Um, Miriam Elizabeth was born on the 5th of February in 1960 in San Fernando, Tamaulipas. And we're going to fast forward, right? So Miriam, she's a child, she grows up, she marries, she has kids. We fast forward all the way to the 23rd of January of 2014. Her daughter... Karen is kidnapped by Los setas along with a mechanic who happened to go by their home that day. Right. So Karen, who's a medium's daughter, is at home. These, um, gangsters, these, uh, what, what do we call them? Like, um,
0: so, so a cartel, right. It's, you know, yeah, we know what a cartel is, right. But Mm -hmm. there's different ones in Mexico and the thing about the setas. um, i would describe them i don't know if you have a different description but they're known to be some of the most like sociopathic fucking cartel there is in mexico like they are the type that well they're terrorists
1: they're known as like the executioners because they basically did all of the dirty deeds which included murder rape kidnapping um, which is all going to be included in this story
0: so Thank you for the trigger warning. It goes, but it goes past, and I think that's the part that gets me with them is that they get past the the just drugs, right? And the business aspect of it. Whereas in fuck, I hate glamorizing cartels because I feel like we're in a really weird period of time where we're getting a lot of like series. We have narcos, we mm-hmm. have novelas, we have this 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 idea that narco culture is to be glamorized. Um, kids looking up to these motherfuckers. But the thing about Los Cetas is it goes pass the drugs and and they literally terrorize communities i know in my hometown in zacatecas we are um controlled by that specific cartel and they kidnap just for fun and Mm -hmm. they terrorize people and they call people i i have your daughter give me fucking fifty thousand dollars fucking people that will never have fifty dollars fifty thousand dollars and even when they do have the money and they'll give it to them they'll give you your child back in pieces your exactly. husband back in pieces. So they are the most disgusting cartel.
1: So, and, and thank you for like foreshadowing exactly what's going to happen in this story. It's so fucking awful what they do to Miriam and, and her family. So Losetas, El cartel Losetas, some of the members, um, they come to Miriam's home, they kidnap her daughter, uh, Karen, and there was a mechanic at the home that day because they had um, a truck that he needed to work on. So they end up taking the mechanic as well. And the family is later on called and they ask him for a $2,000 ransom. So at this point, right, um, medium is desperate. She's like, I need to find my daughter. The mechanic is let go because again, he was just happened to be at the home. He was a bystander. He was not their target. And we need to make sure of this. He was not the target. It was mediums family. So they let the mechanic go. And at this point, uh, Medium is desperate. So she reaches out to the kidnappers. So she calls the, the numbers that they've been calling her from. And one of the men who has been in contact with her regarding the ransom agrees to meet up with her at um a uh let's see here. Okay. So he agrees to meet up with her at a restaurant called El Junior, who was like a local restaurant there. So once they meet up at the restaurant, this man agrees to help Miriam for an extra $2,000. The man, so Miriam agrees. They make a deal. And as the man gets up to leave the restaurant, he's wearing like this walkie-talkie. And someone calls him on the walkie-talkie. And Miriam is able to overhear that they call him Sama. Right, So at that point, okay, the man I just spoke to, his name is Sama. She like gathers that in her head, like keeps that key memory. Then something really ugly starts happening because people, random people that had nothing to do with the kidnapping, they heard about what happened on the news, local newspapers, radio stations, blah, blah, blah. And people started harassing the family, stating that they were the kidnappers or part of the kidnapping group, and they started asking for ransoms. Now, at this point, Miriam and her family are desperate to find Karen, right? So they don't know who's real, who's fake. All she knows is she's already paid thousands of dollars. She paid this guy another two grand. Doesn't fucking come back with any information on her daughter. And After a couple of weeks, Miriam's like, she's just, she's done, you know, she's drained. She's drained financially. She's drained emotionally. She's drained physically. Like it's, it's all over, like, you know, this desperation and she just can't take it anymore. So a couple of weeks after she makes the last payment to the ransoms that have been requested of her, she realized, you know what, this isn't going anywhere. And she told her daughter, Asalia at this point, that she was not going to rest until she found the people who had taken garden. She would hunt them down one by one until the day she died.
0: Jesus. So... I mean, uh, but like that's like that's such a mother in instinct right like for us like that animalistic instinct like no one's gonna do anything like mm-hmm. I'm gonna fucking take this on my own hands and I'm gonna do whatever I mean I cannot imagine like my little boy fucking missing and nobody doing shit about it and me doing everything that I could by quote-unquote the book and it's just still not enough
1: yeah like I said uh The family was drained. They were desperate. Like at this part, Medium's family had fallen apart. She was living with her daughter. They had been drained of all financial assets. Like what more can people take from her? And I think this is a point where Medium realized she had one last resort. And that was to bring her inner mama bear out full force. So Medium takes to Facebook stalking. And she starts stalking people around town, the other local towns. She starts stalking everybody she knew that guy didn't out with, that his friends hung out with, all the locals, the youngsters. So she starts stalking like crazy until she ends up fighting a picture with the man she met at the restaurant.
0: Holy shit.
1: And lo and behold, he's fucking tagged in it. (sighs) <sighs> yes bitch so you can't fuck with a woman that
0: like has access to facebook like you cannot fuck with us once we have access to social media we will fucking find every detail of your fucking existence not only that but if you're going to be committing crimes like bitch don't have a fucking presence don't on social media but don't don't be dumb don't be stupid be a good criminal don't be an idiot
1: <laughs> okay see and this is why we get canceled because now we're giving tips to criminals <laughs>
0: I mean, I just feel like if that's what can be your career choice, but I can do it the right way.
1: L- let me tell you something, though. This criminal stupidity was literally like the pin in the haystack that Medium needed to find. And she no, fucking found it. One stupid person. <laughs> she found it. Fucking grabbed onto it. So there was a picture of um, Sama along with a woman, and the woman was wearing a T-shirt of, um, that had the logo of an ice cream shop that actually happened to be two hours away from their, their town in a place called Ciudad Victoria. So medium's like, all right, bitch, I got you. I got this bitch that's next to you. I know where that shop is. Catch me outside. Miriam drives the two hours to the ice cream shop and she starts stalking the girl in the picture. And she just like stalks her like, you know, every single day she ends up memorizing like her schedule. Um, like she's in it. Like I told you, she brought out her mama bear and she's like, everybody's fucking going down. If my daughter went down, y'all are going down. And then one day Sama shows up. So medium's like, fuck yes. She follows them. She follows. Uh, she follows Sam and this girl. She follows them to a house and she writes down the address. So medium, like you said, wanting to fucking follow everything by the book, she goes to the police, and they fucking tell her that they need more than an address.
0: Like okay, they have she has she has a fucking name, she has a probable cause, she has a fucking address. Like she's making it so easy for the fucking authorities to just fucking just have a search warrant. As you know, simple as that.
1: We complain so much about um cops in the US, right? Like no, the way they, they handle missing and murdered but, indigenous women. But yes. let me tell you something. Cops in Mexico, mm-hmm.
0: fuck. No, but it's, it's 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 two different things, right? The, the problems in the US are the problems in the US and they they will be called out for the fuckery, right? Like, oh yeah. No, oh yeah. We're not I'm not mixing my fucking waffles with my bacon. Like they're I refuse to mix salty and, and dessert together. Like I just are feel like two issues
1: because we come from both communities,
0: being yeah. able to see the shittiness of both of them. Unfortunately, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to our disgrace, we have I mean, we, we have two evils and and the idea that there's one better than the other. Oh no, no. That's know. not
1: like that's not what I'm saying. It's just like sometimes like we've all we've said, sometimes we get into this like um snow globe where we're like, oh, the whole world revolves around us. Mm-hmm. But me and Carmen have, you know, we've been exposed to both sides of it. We've mm-hmm. been exposed to life in Mexico and life in the US. So for our American listeners, you know, we you hear about it all the time about, you know, the lack of what cops could have done in such cases mm. it fucking happens everywhere every fucking where and this story goes so deep into that detail that it, it's gonna rage you guys so at this point right um, she's like you fucking need more information I'll get you more information right medium ends up cutting her hair, and she dyes it red. Total, you know, makeover. She ends up uh, finding an old government uniform she had from, like, an older job she had had at one point, and she manages to get a fake government ID. So she starts conducting a poll in Sama's neighborhood, and eventually she gets all his information. And she goes to the police. And what do they do? Nothing. They fucking ignore her. So at this point, Miriam is, she's desperate. She's pissed. She has the information. Like, what more could you fucking need? I have all of his information. Like you said, I have probable cause. And she fucking starts trying to look for, like, different, like, um, policemen to help her out. Finally, she ends up finding a federal police that is willing to help her. But by this time, Sama left town. He booked it. And it's funny what happened, the way events happened. On the 15th of September of 2014, her son Luis was closing his shop when he noticed that there was, like, a man still in the shop that was kind of browsing. And so he looks at him, and it's like, huh, he looks familiar. And then it, like, clicks. It was fucking sama. So Luis calls the police, and... Sama, like, takes off running. Luis takes off running behind him. They end up, like, surrounding him, and he gets arrested in the plaza. So, fucking finally, Sama's arrested. Once he's in custody, Sama ends up giving the police information on other people that were involved in Karen's kidnapping, which included an 18-year-old by the name of Cristian José Zapata González. So remember how I said... Random people would reach out to the family and be like, we're the kidnappers. We're the kidnappers. Send us money and we'll give you your daughter back. Well, Miriam had a hunch. This guy somehow fucking know something. He's the one I met. He's the one I stalked. He's the one I followed. Like, I don't know if it was like that, like, like, you know, like that mother, mother feeling thing, that, the, that, that gut feeling. Sense. Yes. Yeah. And that mother sixth sense that we have, that she fucking knew this guy knows something. And she fucking, Mm -hmm. she gets him. So he gives up Christian's name and the police go to his house and uh, Christian is brought in, right? So when Christian is brought in to testify, he's like, he's fucking terrified. And Miriam, she wasn't allowed to be in the interrogation room, but she was sitting right outside. And while he was being interrogated, she could hear him ask for his mother. I mean, this is an 18-year-old. I'm sorry, but like to me, this is still a baby in a way. And he's asking for his mother, and he's telling the officers that he's hungry. So at this point, Medium's like, you know what? Fuck it. She enters the room, and she gives him her lunch. Gives him her lunch. And then she goes and buys him a drink and the officers are like what the fuck are you doing like this is a fucking interrogation this is a guy that is potentially linked to your daughter's kidnapping like what the fuck are you doing and Miriam replies he's still a child no matter what he did and I am still a mother stop Uh, and Miriam's small act of kindness actually paid off, because after eating, he told the officers everything. So, at this point, Mexican Marines had already killed six of the other accomplices, and he was willing to take them to where they had buried, that where they were buried. So remember, there was various accomplices. Um, Six of them have already been killed. And he's like, I'll take you guys to where they're buried, their bodies are. And he leads them to an abandoned ranch. At the ranch, they end up finding buried bones. And inside the house, they find like mounds of um, like random shit like shoes, tables, chairs, sweaters, shirts, like just mounds of like just really random shit, right? That you're like, okay, this house is abandoned, but why is all this shit like here? And and especially like where it's almost like they took stuff, started making a pile and just kept on throwing shit on that pile. On one of those piles, Miriam spots a scarf. She recognizes it. It belonged to her daughter Garden. And the officers told her, hey, you know, Garden's uh, body is not amongst the the bones that we have discovered here in the ranch. But Medium's like, mm, no, you guys did a shitty job tracking down these kids. And I don't fucking believe you. Like, my daughter's body has to be here. Like, like Medium just had those hunches. You know, she had that mother yeah. sense, like we said. Now, <laughs> at this point, a lot of the officers got tired of her being around like putting pressure because she was so pushy yeah she was so pushy and um she had a foul mouth you know she was one of us she fucking didn't like she didn't play around she got right to a good and she fucking told you off if she needed to and it's funny because the officers would say that they didn't like her but they respected her so she had to be doing something right. I mean, she got it. But she got further than they ever fucking did. And it just so happens that mediums' hunches were always fucking right. The following year, a group of scientists went um went to the ranch, and you know they were digging through more of the bones that were found. Unfortunately, none of the um, Bones were like laid out in a skeleton. It's almost like they had been like mass graves and it, it was disgusting. It was it was a horrible sight. And so the scientists, they're tasked with kind of like DNA testing. And they ended, They ended up finding that a femur bone that was found at the ranch actually belonged to Karin. Shit. So this, this broke Medium's heart because although she knew that my daughter is is somewhere here. I feel like she always had that hope that she would find her daughter alive. Yeah. And it's the fact of knowing for certain that she's no longer alive. Yeah, if you think
0: about it, like even if I knew 90% of my being knows that my son is dead, but there's that 10% or even that 1% that he could still be alive. And then knowing for a fact that he's 100% dead, I, I think that would destroy me. Cause you'd be holding on to that 10%, right? That's what keeps you going. Yeah. And
1: it did destroy her, but it also fueled her because she realized I'm not getting her back. And the best I could do now is bring justice. So leading up to the ranch was like a dirt road, right? That she had to like travel down. And near the entrance of the dirt road that led to the ranch um, was this this, like barbecue restaurant. And she recognized um, the restaurant because she had ate with her daughter, uh, Asalia. She had ate with her other daughter, Asalia, two days after Karen had been kidnapped at that restaurant. So Karen is kidnapped. Two days later, her and her daughter, Asalia, are eating at that restaurant, right? And the day that they were eating at that restaurant, a girl by the name of Elvia Yulitza Bentacort had been seated at a table by herself. Now she remembered seeing her there because Miriam and Elvia had been neighbors and she knew Elvia since she was a kid. So basically Miriam had seen this girl, you know, grow up and Elvia has a rather sad story because she was abandoned by her mother who was a sex worker um, at a nearby brothel and Miriam actually would give her Karen's old clothes growing up to help out Elvia. Well, the day that Miriam and Acelia were eating at the restaurant, um, she said hello to Elvia and she asked her if she had heard about Karen to which Elvia responded that she had not heard anything about it. So now thinking back, I guess at the moment, because you're still in shock, like you don't kind of recognize these things, but now she was kind of thinking back, making memory, and she realized that's weird. It's weird that she, the way she acted around us, and it's also weird the way she responded when I asked her about Karin's kidnapping. There was some things off. So, Miriam goes back to Facebook and she ends up finding out that Elvia is actually dating one of Caden's kidnappers. Damn it. Charlie! Like, girl, she took the clothes off her back to give them to you.
0: I mean, I think if we go back to how, like, glamorized this culture is, right, and how glamorized... Um... So, unfortunately, a lot of these people are very impoverished, and there's no way out for them from poverty and lack of education unless it's, you know, getting with the narco, you know, fucking being la senora. What is it, the fucking, the, la pinche moda ahorita, cuál es? ¿Cuál? Una buchona right everybody oh aspires, God, yes. aspires to be a buchona everybody wants to be la esposa de un narco everybody wants to be imp- like it's very like you go onto tiktok and it's like all the there's fucking themes there's party themes of of women dressing up like a, bucho- a buchona is essentially like the wife of a narco it's and not
1: even life. it's like or the, the majority bit. of them are
0: mistresses well the mistress the girl the whatever right but they have it's almost like a stature it's almost like something to aspire to yeah But look please tell me she
1: didn't know about and my only thing is we should not be aspiring to be any of that shit we should be aspiring to get our education make our money I never have to fucking depend on these types of guys. Like, we should know better, ladies. Nobody
0: should depend on the man.
1: Mm-mm. Especially should... not these type of men. So, let me tell you. Um, Elvia's boyfriend actually happens to be in fucking prison at that time. So, medium, doing what medium does best, starts stalking the prison, waiting for Elvia to visit her boyfriend. Eventually, Elvia shows up. What does Medium do? Calls the police and they take Elvia in. So the police ended up finding out that some of the ransom calls had actually been made from Elvia's house. Pinche Elvia. Pinche Elvia, dude. At this point, Miriam's like, I got enemies everywhere. But she continues to look for the kidnappers. She's like, you know what? My daughter's dead. I'm bringing her to justice. Fuck all these people. Some of the kidnappers were already dead. Some of them were in prison and some of them had escaped losetas and had tried to start a new life. Now, like Carmen said before, um, people who have been sucked into the life of carteles, narcos, all that shit, it is uh, extremely hard to get out of lack of resources, lack of education, lack of just basic common knowledge, you know, and also like usually if you're in there, everyone else, you know, is in there. Um, so once you're in it, it's very hard for you to get out, get out. But some of them had been able to do this. So at this point, word was getting around of what Medium was doing, right? That she was tracking down all of her daughter's kidnappers and killers. And she was, she was fucking finding them and bringing them to justice. And the people in Medium's town, they, with very, very good reasons, were scared for her. They were scared for Medium, Because when you mess with the cartel, it usually means that you're fucking signing your own death warrant. Like, let's be honest. Like, these people have power for a reason. And it's not because people they're respected or people like them. It's because people are fucking scared for their lives. And... You know, Medium's family and friends, they're telling her, like, you need to calm down. You need to stop. You need to slow down. And Medium, you know, one day after a friend tells her, like, you need to stop. Like, they're going to come for you. Medium tells her friend, I don't care if they kill me. I died the day they killed my daughter. I want to end this. I'm going to take out the people who hurt my daughter and they can do whatever they want to me. And Miriam, she had fucking amazing stalking and tracking skills because she was actually able to track another one of the kidnappers, Enrique Joel Rubio Flores, um, who happened to be living now in Aldama. So Miriam makes her trip to Aldama and visits his grandmother. And she tells her about the situation so medium tells the grandma about Karen's kidnapping, the situation, how her grandson was involved. To which the grandma replies, At least he's going to church now. No mame, senora, no mami,
0: no mame, no mame senora. Fuck. So yeah. dude. These we enable, people- we enable fucking men. Women enable men, the senoras, las abuelitas, las mamas enable men on their fuckery. And that is just something that I cannot fucking get down with. I like Catherine last week because Catherine was like, you know what? My fucking son's an inept. He's a fucking idiot. He is not good enough to govern. Don't give me this bullshit fucking abuelita that your fucking grandson gets to kill people. But guess what? He goes to church now. So now he's a good boy.
1: No. Dude, a hill I would fucking 100% die on is machismo. Is alive and flourishing today thanks to grandmas and mothers who enable them and raise them mm. and allow them mm. mm-hmm. to yeah, treat another woman like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then they try to come up with the stupidest shit to like um justify their behavior. Justify their actions. It's disgusting. Um, but at this point, you know, she's like, Well, at least uh, he's going to church now. And medium's like, okay. Está bien. So Miriam goes to the church that he attends and she calls the police. And the police come and they start arresting. Well, they arrest him, right? And one of the church attendees asked Miriam for mercy. Perdónelo, señora, perdónelo. To which she replied, Where was his mercy when they killed my daughter?
0: He's fucking lucky that she doesn't go out and fucking shoot his face at church. That's exactly. mercy. Fucking holding him accountable for his fucking actions, his mercy.
1: Mm. Exactly. So, you know, another one down. She starts tracking another one of the killers, kidnappers. And she tracks this man for about a year. And she ends up finding out that he's been um, working selling flowers in the crossing between Mexico and Texas. So this man is now in Juarez and he sells um, flowers, you know, at the Mexico, Texas border. And when, when she finds out, so at this point she had already, she knew his location was in Juarez and she traveled to Juarez. She was staying in Juarez and she was still tracking him. And finally she finds out he's selling flowers. So one day she gets a tip. He's here. He's at this part. He's selling flowers right here. When she finds this out, Medium doesn't even bother changing. She literally goes to the the border crossing in her pajamas and starts searching for him. You know I mean? She's been tracking him down for a year. She finally knows exactly where he's at that day. She starts searching him, finds him, and this motherfucker recognizes her and he takes off running. So Miriam, she runs after him and she wrestles him to the ground, holds a gun to his back and tells him, if you run, I'll shoot you. Pincha Miriam. She's... This Chingona. God. Chingon, I love her. So her family like you know they, they were running after her they were like they saw the whole shit happening and they helped her so all, all together they held him there for about an hour until the police arrived so we fast forward it's now March of 2017 oh yeah y, y Miriam is una señora huh? like she's older si sí. si sí, es yeah, una señora now. en este... A ver, ¿qué año nací? A ver, a ver, espérate. Vamos a hacer las matemáticas, because I ain't good with math. 1960, and who's, we're 2017. Who's good at math? 57. What? She's 57 years old. Hola, madre. 57 she's, years old, she's holding 57. down a fucking guy, like yeah, she after. She's fucking down, bam. Muévete y te mato, So we're now in March of 2017, and unfortunately, there's an incident where nearly two dozen prisoners from Ciudad Victoria escape. And some of the prisoners that escaped were the same people that she had tracked down and helped take to prison. So dude, all her fucking hard work, down the drain, fucking authorities. So medium at this point, she's scared for her life with really good fucking reason. You know, she's been taking all these men to jail and now they're fucking, they're out and about.
0: How many did she take to jail at this point? Like five or six?
1: I think so. I haven't counted Um, them, but it's, it's been a handful. Like That's just one is more than enough. Exactly. So like I said, she's fucking scared and she asks the police for protection and they told her that they would send a patrol car to check on her periodically at work and home. So, yeah, we'll we'll send someone to go check on you, which is another way of like, fuck off, lady, like we have other shit to do. And, but Medium doesn't back down, dude. Medium's like, you know what, I'm scared, but I'm still fucking, I'm bringing justice to my daughter. During this time, she actually ends up tracking down another one of the kidnappers, a woman who happened to be now like a live-in nanny, with a family right there in Ciudad Victoria. And so, dude, a kidnapper turned nanny. Fucking background checks on your nannies, people, what the fuck? We have a guy that goes back to church, and now we have a nanny. Fuck it. I mean, the church thing, I understand, because come on, dude, the worst demons are in church. a a fucking, like, if you're going to be trusting your kid's lives on somebody, please don't trust your kid's life to somebody who's fucking kidnapped other people and murdered. But anyways, Medium fucking Mexico. Medium stalks the house for several days until eventually the woman leaves the house. Um, And Medium calls the police. They come. They arrest the lady. So on the night of May 10th, 2017, Sol Día las Madres, she, she's, she arrives at her house and she's getting out of her car and then a car drives by. In that car were some of the prisoners who had escaped. Fuck. And they shot at her. 13 times.
0: Oh, motherfuckers.
1: Her husband was inside the house. He hears what's going on, runs outside. He finds her face down outside their house with her hand in her purse near the gun she always carried with her. In June of 2017, Officials were able to arrest another one of the kidnappers who had fled to Veracruz at this point and was working as a taxi driver using the information Medium had gathered. During the interrogation, they found out this woman had beaten and tortured Karen while she was kidnapped. So, I don't know, at this point, she she knows all these people who have participated in her daughter's kidnapping. But it just so happens that the one that's found after she passes away is the one who beat and tortured Gaden. I don't know if it was some form of divine justice. Like I know she's now resting with her daughter and like maybe something divine didn't want her to hear this information. But I think it's so interesting that even after her death, the police were able to use her information and, and, you know, track down this person. During Miriam's crusade on finding her daughter's killers, she had also started El Colectivo de Desaparecidos to help other parents whose children had also disappeared. So, guidance and Miriam's lives were not taken in vain. Um, Karen, unfortunately, was taken at a young age in a horrible, horrible way. And I am pretty sure all those people are burning in hell, living hell, and will one day spend eternity paying for the shit they did. And Miriam lived her life as the ultimate mother. And she lost her life in the process, but it wasn't in vain. She brought so many of them to justice and She helped start this group of other parents who have also been able to bring their kids, kidnappers, and killers to justice. So she's amazing. Dude, I told you I was going to have to bring the soju out for shots. I told you.
0: Fuck, I think I'm drunk. I'm just like, every time, ugh, this story, I'm just like, okay, I need another drink. It just always gives me the same reaction every time. And then there's details that I forget, right? Like you bringing up just everything. And I was like, fuck, what? What? Now he goes to church? That motherfucker? And then I forgot about the fucking girl that... The fucking, living No, la otra way, the, the fucking one she gave close to. Oh yeah.
1: Elvia, whatever. Andalia. Yeah. Um, her story is one of those stories that's uh it's very sad, it's very traumatic. And um I mean I, I got interested in her story back when it when it had been published a while ago, and and every so often I kind of get renewed interest in it. But every time I read or I listen or I hear about her story, I'm just like, man, this is some bullshit like el dia de las madres you get like dude oh dude el dia de las madres and she fucking died by el the same dia people dia who killed Madre, her daughter she gets to
0: reunite with her daughter
1: that's the most beautiful gift it's almost is like a positive a way of
0: looking at it honestly i see this story and yes it's gut-wrenching but i also see this story of like like that is a definition and she she is a reason why this podcast flourishes because it's the story of a woman that just did not give up even when everybody did right when no one is listening and she was like you're gonna fucking listen to me you might not fucking like me but i'm gonna make you listen and and we're gonna do something about it and i'm gonna help you because you're obviously an idiot so we'll make this work out to the point where they're <laughs> fucking finding suspects after the fact, after she passes. <sighs> really good job.
1: I love Thank you. I, I really hope I do all these women justice. They fucking deserve it. They do. They do. But, you know, here's to medium. I'll be taking here's a shot me. of a uh, green grape soju now. Green grape. Salute. Thank God I ate before this.
0: Mm. I had a salad. Sounds like a bad idea before drinking. Yeah, you
1: hear that what is that it was me opening it so Um, apparently um there's this like very cool trick um Koreans do when opening up their soju bottles where they have it like um like upside down and then they twist it and twist their arms and open it and it looks fucking cool I see it like all over Instagram and, and TikTok but I'm like if I fucking do that I'm gonna drop the bottle or I'm gonna open it the wrong way and it's and I'm like it's I'm not willing to waste the soju. I feel like you should open it during our live
0: on Instagram. So So that gives me a whole 24 hours to practice. Whole 24 hours. This episode will be released after the fact. So um, if you made it to our Instagram, you'll get to see Laura and let us know how Laura did. Whether I actually
1: did it or not. People are going to see me on live, see whether or not I was able to pull that shit off. Thanks for the pressure. Good thing this podcast or
0: this episode gets released after the fact. <laughs> so We could always heard. delete it, you know, just like it
1: never happened. Cut the life.
0: <laughs> uh, Fernando, cut this out.
1: Um, okay. So, so wait, I have, to, I have to ask ahead of time because I'm preparing that? to start taking my shots. Are you going to, did you actually go light like you promised or are you going to fuck me up again? <laughs> emotionally I need to be prepared you need to be prepared I say
0: like drink regardless because it's always the unexpected with me um but no this time I'm gonna go lighter uh I think this story is this story is just about a, a just a bad bitch that I love and I hold dear to my heart and ever since I found out about her I was just I always like just love her story um yeah. So it's going to be lighter. It's not going to be, I'm not going to give you a murder mystery. I'm not going to give you a, might be a little sad because tell me what bad bitch fucking doesn't go and, you know, it's always sad regardless. But this is the story of a woman that one time Picasso called as the greatest artist that ever lived. Oh, snap. Um, I okay. know. Well, give it to me. I will give it I to I trust you. you. Yeah, no. So have you heard of Celia Cruz? I do.
1: She's fucking the queen, la reina. So
0: Yes, yes. Celia Cruz was a huge legend, especially like in Latino communities, regardless if I mean, because we're not Cuban, not even an ounce of us is cuban right but it, she was such a living legend in latino communities that the day i remember she died she was i was like 12 and everybody was crying my family was crying
1: i cried the day she died i was devastated because i love celia celia cruz rie Llora" is one of like my all-time favorite songs
0: yes every we all have like a favorite song from her um So Celia Cruz is is a legend in her own right, and she has an amazing story. There's even a novela that was released in Telemundo. Um, But this is a story of somebody who came up during the time that she did that's lesser known. She's actually known to have created what's um, Latin soul music movement um, she would be like the Beyonce of this time um, she sang a lot of ballads but she was known she was mostly known for her salsa music so this is the story of La Lupe who was born in the barrio San Pedrito in Santiago de Cuba in 1954 so La Lupe she grew up during the time of Fidel Castro right as we know oh that face that soju face <laughs>
1: yeah Oh, take
0: another it one. hit the take spot. Joan Carmen is here.
1: She wants you to take another one with you. All in honor of La Lupe and Medium. En La Lupe and La Medium, right? If you guys, guys like- are driving, please don't join us. If you're not driving, please join us. Please join us.
0: Um... So La Lupe was always, she, she was great at dancing. She was great at singing. She was great at putting on a show. Um, she was in school when she was a kiddo. And, um, she once walked from her little town, her little hometown, all the way to La Havana to do a, um, to join a competition. And she sang Olga Guillot's song called Me And, and at this competition, she actually took the show. Everybody was like, wow, this girl can sing. And she won first prize, first prize. Olga Guillot ended up getting the attention of this little girl who had, you know, won the competition. And she goes up to her, she says, Hey, I loved it. Beautiful. But you're sounding too much like me. I want you to find your voice. I want you to find your style. And I want it to be yours. And that really like resonated with Lupe. And she's like, you know what? Yes, I am going to be me. I'm going to find my style. I'm going to find my groove and whatever makes me happy. In 1955, she moves with her family to La Havana permanently because her family really wanted to become wanted her to become a teacher. And she's just like, mm, no. Her dad was like super dominant, um and didn't want his daughter to be a singer because it would like take away her from being a teacher but mostly because it was just like too much right like it was too extreme and the thing about la lupe is that she didn't sing she sang like she had soul inside of her she had that just that some passion passion that girth inside of her that was just made her stand out so she was just like, you know what, dad? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm going to fuck this, fuck school. I'm not going to study. I don't want to become a teacher. I want to go fucking me, do me. And so she does, she starts like going into, um, she starts working for a little, like, um, like a little club called, um, the, the red, it was like a little club and she was like joining the nightlife and, She was like um, just singing. And the thing about her on stage was that she just sang with so much sexuality. She would feel the song. She would just have so much emotion. She would like touch her breasts and her neck and choke herself and just like moan during the song. So it was like something that was like out of the books. It was like a whole show. It was a whole show. My girl fucking like just got it lit up. Um, este güey, ¿cómo se llama? El dictador, el Fidel Castro. Yeah. He was like, no. He's like, I, <laughs> you cannot be doing this bullshit. Pobre you Lupe. To- this I like, know. Surrounded by all these fucking toxic males. What the all fuck? these toxic males. Toxic. Todos, 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 todos. And um, and and people would like go and uh, uh, watch her. It's um, Ernest Hemingway. You know him, the famous. Um, yeah. author mm-hmm. dude he would go and like just go watch her because she just put on such a show and then the word would go out and this is like and we're talking about like back in the 50s where like it was it was just a whole nother monster And when after Fidel was like, no, you got to like, stop your bullshit. She's like, fuck. Okay. Well, I'm not going to stop because if I didn't listen to my daddy, at some point she gets married and she's like, if I didn't listen to my fucking husband, do you think I'm going to fucking listen to a dictator? Fuck you. Fuck no. So she goes to Mexico and in Mexico, she's there for a brief moment of time, but she finds out that um, Celia Cruz up and coming is, is over there. And she's like, okay, I know Celia's from Cuba and I know she's doing her thing. I know she's getting deals. I need to go like link up with her and, and see what, like, if she can help me out. Um, Not much of a relationship, but you know, girls support girls. Right. And she goes up to Celia and Celia's like, yes, you have to go to New York I have contacts. I know people. I know specifically, I know Tito Puente, and you have to go there. um, And they're going to help you out. They're going to have to, like, they're going to just tell me you know me. And, you know, you get a good word from me. I've seen your shows. I've heard about you. You're fantastic. You're amazing. Beautiful. She's like, dude, thank you. Fuck yeah. So she goes to New York. And what's really interesting is, like, the novela, if you watch it, I don't know if you did. um, La novela is such garbage because first of all they depict this fucking rivalry between the two of us them that was like non-existent because it's all obviously written by a man and wasn't
1: wasn't the novela literally made from like Celia's husband's perspective of you like because you remember he wrote a book about her life after she died Mm -hmm. but everyone knows Celia's husband was a piece of fucking shit piece of shit
0: yeah 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 and and not only that right so they like they describe well because she wasn't like because la lupe was like she stood out she didn't go fuck she didn't pay attention to men she's like bro no um additionally she was also depicted as white and i think that's a huge part that really like rubs me in the wrong way she was like depicted as this white envious woman that hated celia because she was black and in reality la lupe was also black and oh that's fucked
1: up so they whitewashed her character to make her a villain
0: to make her a villain which i how fucked up don't hate the idea of a white villain but i also hate the fact that a real person like la lupe was depicted as a villain because she was not and and they actually had a genuine you know good relationship her and Celia so she goes to she goes to um, new york and she starts working there. She starts working at clubs, and she does link up with Tito Puente. And that's truly when her career starts like skyrocketing. Um, they all of they start working in the studio. She starts putting in the time. She starts putting in the work. People have heard of her. She's doing live shows. People are just like, let me go watch this woman who like is described as animalistic and like sexual and sensual. And, you know, let me hear her shrieks. Let me hear her moan. I, w- I want to see her put on a show. Dude, I, mean, I would pay good money to see her. Like, what? I'm sorry, but she sounds like a fucking dream. I feel like everybody needs to go do homework and go watch videos of La Lupe on YouTube after this because she is fantastic. Um, one of her hit songs was like, it was called um, The Them in Mentir. Que te pedi, pendeja. Sorry, guys. I'm drunk. Que te pedi. Great song. One of my favorite ones. And that's really the song that um, took her to stardom. Now she's drunk on fame. I feel like we would be too. And maybe this is why God humbled us just with looks and brains and not with fame, because I feel like I'd be drunk on fame. And she was, she was a little like feeling like she can do anything okay now she's living a good life she's having like that rock star life that rock but nothing's star
1: wrong with that how many men didn't do that that were not pretty to look at a lot of the rock stars in that era i'm sorry but you guys have glorified ugly ass men you have glorified and, some ugly ass men
0: yeah and they're big old. they're like they're sleeping around they have mistresses they have like regular lives and you know you watch their biopics now Their hollywood biopics and they're just like they have like these handsome actors pretending to be them, mm-hmm. and no. and it's just like, oh well, you know, it's it's the fame, it's the fame that blind them. But like, no, there was no tolerance for women to do that, right? There was no tolerance for women to be themselves and to experiment a little bit, to you know, um, to be on instead of like finding ways to rehab, re,
1: rehab, to li, blah, blah. rehabilitate. <laughs> Re- <laughs> rehabilitate. Rehabilitate.
0: <laughs> rehabilitate. <laughs> See, I'm not drinking anymore, you guys. I'm gonna quit. Um, rehabilitate. Um, your are the person that you're managing, right? Instead of doing that, um the, the opposite happens. Tito starts being like, sabes gay, like you're so difficult. You are not like Celia. Celia is a good girl. Celia is, she listens. She listens to her manager. She listens to her label. She understands what's important for the brand. Why can't you do the same? She's like, because I am not Celia. Because I am not a good girl. Because I'm not your perfect little princess. I will do me. And they gave her an ultimatum. They're like, okay. Oh, because also, fun fact, she was also super into Santeria. Openly into Santeria.
1: Okay, but- so is Celia. Celia wrote a lot of songs that are praising, oh, I know that. The, really? you know, yes, yeah. there's um, there's one song that I, I, I really love about Celia that I'm, I'm actually going to look it up right now. But also while I'm looking it up, I do want to mention why Celia wasn't the good girl. She was forced to comply. Because a known fact about Celia Cruz is her husband unfortunately controlled her. He was um, an asshole. Like I said, he was an asshole and 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 unfortunately, her life has, as it has been told after her death is all from his perspective, which is incredibly fucked up um, because they're taking away this woman and they're just putting his what he wants of her out there. I'm not saying that she was a bad person in any way, shape, or form. But I'm just saying they took her essence, her womanly essence out of it. And uh, there's a song called Kimbara by Celia Cruz that I love. Kumbara, Kimbara, Kumbara, Kimbara. Yeah. We Which should. Which is, we, we, should. I, we should. Carmen, at this point, come on. We have everything we need. We have the looks. We have the brains. We have the singing abilities. There's nothing to the lose. The drinking habits. Nothing to lose. I'm just saying but um yeah celia cruz was also known to practice santeria that's that's a good fact i didn't i had no idea
0: but i think I, you know what resonates right now is the fact that you mentioned like you know everything was done from his husband her husband's perspective um her biopic and everything like the similar thing that happened to selena quintanilla right everything is from abraham and God forbid that her husband release anything from his perspective because it tarnishes the brand. It's not good for the brand. And so, especially in the 60s, 70s, you don't want to tarnish the brand because most people would be like, you know, it's my livelihood. This is what I love, live, live off of. Well, Lupe was like, me vale madre, me vale madre. And there's never, the man who controls me has not been born yet or already fucking died. I'm not going to let a man fucking tell me what (laughs) to do ever, ever, ever. And so she um, gets dropped from the label. And Tito tells um, Tito all the money he is going to save from dropping La Lupe. He invests it to Celia. So as we know now, Celia, like, you know, she pops off and she does her thing. And she is the woman and the living, well, the legend that we know today. But La Lupe um, thought she would be able to come back from it, she's like, I've gone through worse. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. At one point, she started, again, getting heavy now into drugs and her lifestyle. She started, she, she kept on like releasing songs, but it just wasn't the same because she was blacklisted by, by all of New York and all of the big producers and big shots that, you know, once thought that had a, sh- like she had a shot with them. Now she didn't because now she didn't have a reputation and she just wasn't who she was. Um, Her house gets burned down because she had a bunch of candles one day. And that's when like, she's like, okay, maybe my lifestyle isn't the best. Maybe it's my santeria. Maybe it's my beliefs. So she becomes an evangelical Christian. I know. No, baby. No. I know. No. She sells out. Yeah. So by towards the end of her life, she was literally living off of charities and she was staying in different houses Um, And by 1992, she suffered from a massive heart attack at age of 55. When I think of 55 now, it's not that far away from my age today. So she was really young when she passes away. Um, But she had also started like doing gospel music to see if that would hit off, but it didn't either. And the thing about evangelical Christians is sometimes they're not, they're great at preaching. Sorry if you are one, apologize in advance but when (laughs) when you transition from having like a life of sin you know i guess
1: it's not sin she had a life of pleasure she had a life of passion pleasure and happiness Mm. and everything that brings us happiness is viewed as sin if you look at extremist christians christians yeah i think i'm drunk too because i'm slurring
0: i'm slurring too but um I think I, I think the biggest takeaway here today is go listen to a bad bitch it's 2022 we forgive these women right give her the attention she would love she would love for us to go and she deserves her. it she deserves it we just had a rough story about um your girl medium medium there's another one Maricela. she was intense too
1: Oh, my videos Maris- on Netflix. Let's yeah, yeah. oh, so, not talk about it because I, I actually want to do a story on her. Okay, please do. Um,
0: but yes, yeah, so let's cleanse our palette with something light, something easy. I promised you guys I can do it too. I can be light and easy. Go listen to my favorite song, and which is Esa la que les dije cual les dije? Que te pedí beautiful song and just blast it off when you're
1: doing Que hacer el, el Domingo, please. So when we look for her, mm-hmm. um, because I'm looking for her. Already. Okay. So when you guys look for her, actually look for La Lupe. La Lupe. Okay. Que te pedi, La Lupe. I'm going to be playing this as soon as we're done recording. Yes. Um. Yes. But, you know... <sighs> I'm a little saddened by her end because for someone with so much passion, so much talent and just overall so much Garth in life. Yeah. I to see her kind of end her life in that way kind of um sad and miserable, right? And now depicted as a fucking villain and a white woman in history, like it's it's outrageous. She deserves better. And yeah, I see that's fucking stream her music and uh, give her memory because you know something something in Santeria is like pasi progreso. You know, you elevate the souls after they've moved on to the other world. I like that. Let's elevate her soul. And what makes me happy is that
0: a lot of the, like the influencers, like the Latinx influencers that I follow, like on TikTok or Instagram they all know about La Lupe and it just makes my heart so happy. I'm like, oh, so she's not that unknown. It's mostly like, you know, Tito wanted to get rid of her. She has literally a song where she's talking. She's like bashing Tito Puente. She's like, Tito me bajó de la música y me me tumbó de mi carrera. Like she is just talking mad shit about him. And I'm just like, I love it, but it's in the salsa beat. So it's like, for me mexican um i've come to realize that so- a lot of salsa music is very tragic and very sad but that's just got that beat and i'm like there's just something so
1: beautiful
0: Dude, about it there's this.
1: stories they they okay cause see that's that's a way that um the enslaved people were able to yeah. get through it in in cuba right as mm-hmm. as well as we know in the south and all throughout the americas yeah but music. they they kept that that music that soul and they told their stories. That's why their stories are so well and alive, even though none of it was written down.
0: I wonder what like the colonizers would think of like you know the slaves that they think oh they're really happy they're slaves they're really happy to be enslaved because just like the beat of the music. But in reality, if they knew the lyrics and how like intense they were and you know. Because even me as a Spanish speaker, like the lyrics kind of go over my head because the beat is just so good, and they just sing it so happy. And they digo, pues, quién sabe, a lo mejor ni saben los that they were talking shit about them. Yes,
1: I, yeah. I, and- andamos bailando on the song about el negro que le matan a su negra, and now he's out looking for the, revenge. Uh, the revolt. Uh it called? I can't remember the song exactly right now, oh, but I remember that's I the theme that of the song, but. uh
0: no, no, a mi negra. Andele. Uh, Andele. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and el año... Ugh, guys, I love salsa music. Let's let's end today's episode on that good note. Go listen to your favorite salsa artist. Go dance. Go out this weekend. Go have fun. Go take a drink in honor of tonight's episode. In honor of medium, in honor of La Lupe. And go live your best fucking life.
1: Yes. That's what I got for today. And fuck all the fuckery in the world today. All of it. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Bye, guys.
0: Bye.